Welcome to Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics, where we dissect the mindsets, stories, habits, and tactics of elite performers. Strength Roots Podcast, the growth starts here. What's going on, guys? Welcome to this episode of the Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics. A couple weeks ago, we were down in Arizona for spring training, and we had the opportunity to sit down with Brandon McDaniel of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's currently in his eighth year with the organization. He serves as director of player performance, and previously he was the head major league strength conditioning coach for about five years. Um, He's previously worked with the Pittsburgh Pirates, as well as Exos, working with the U.S. military. So he has a lot of great experience in the strength conditioning field. He's also a master at building relationships and leadership, which shows with the team that he's built with the Dodgers. So we talk a lot about, obviously, his story coming up and how he's gotten to the position that he's in. But we also talk a lot about relationship building, about leadership, and about his mission in life. So I think you can take a lot away from this. So take some notes. And without further ado, let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Strength Roots Podcast. This is Joseph Grinstein, one of your hosts. Um, we are here in Arizona with Brandon McDaniel. We're here for spring training, um, and we're excited to have this conversation. Um, so welcome to Strength Roots Podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So we're here um, for spring training. We're all excited. Aaron, Nolan are both here as well. So we're um, down here watching some great baseball, visiting some athletes, but very happy to be having this conversation here with you. Um, and so kind of like we talked about a little bit, we like to start from the beginning, allow people to kind of tell their story. Um, and then from there, kind of your journey through to where you are now. Um, so where did you grow up? What kind of kid were you? What was family life like? <laughs> yeah. You know, just start right from the beginning. Uh, so grew up in Counts Bluffs, Iowa, uh, which is like right across. I just tell people I live, like I'm from uh, Omaha because mm-hmm. it was just easier to say that. So I grew up in College World Seriesville, um, literally five minutes from Rosenblatt Stadium uh, and grew up playing baseball, basketball. Like I was six foot tall in like seventh grade. So I thought I was Shaq, <laughs> uh, but I always loved baseball. I was a fat kid growing up, uh, like really fat. And so, um, never thought in a million, no one from my hometown would ever thought in a million years that I would be a strength coach now. And so it's kind of funny. Like I, people like see me and they're like, Whoa, like, yeah, yeah. I kind of figure it out. Um, but, uh, and it's not like one of those success stories where I'm going to end up on a cover of a magazine or anything like that, but just graduated high school, like 275 pounds. And so, yeah, I was going to, I was going to try to play football too. It was probably a bigger meal ticket for me to do. Uh, and so I was big, I was strong, but I was also like really fat. And then, um, first day of pads, my senior year snapped my foot and my ankle, like doing a conditioning drill and weird. I, I never thought about it that way, but, um, yeah, ended up going to play uh, college baseball uh, after that. But to take you back a little bit, um, like my mom still lives in the same house that I grew up in, so I still get to go home to that. My brother, uh, he lives in my grandfather's house, which was a block away. My grandpa had a huge influence on my life, uh, like coach slash like general manager of our little league teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up passing away like three weeks before my 16th birthday. 
And so I had to kind of adjust pretty early in life to like having some, some stuff happen. And so, uh, always knew though, like baseball was kind of where, uh, I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Like I remember stories of being in the barber shop as a little kid, getting a flat top and, uh, the barber being like, you're going to work in baseball one day. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, you're going to be an umpire. You're going to be an announcer. You're going to be something <laughs> one day. And so <clears throat> went to college, uh, the university of South Dakota, uh, walked on and as a catcher and couldn't hit but I could actually catch and throw a little bit, lost 75 pounds my freshman year when I redshirted. Mm -hmm. And so that's when like fitness had like a huge Mm -hmm. impact on my life. Did it all the wrong way. Like ran with a trash bag on every night around campus, ate carrots and celery for dinner. And this was all like self-program, like it was all on you. Yeah. Yeah. Like before intermittent fast, like before intermittent fasting was actual thing. Like I was intermittent fasting, <laughs> you mean. I, which was told, I, I like, well, that's not unhealthy. And now it's like, everybody's intermittent fasting. I was like, wait a minute. Like you if I would, that. if I would, I didn't start it, but if I would have invested in it back then, like it would have been a thing, you know? And so, uh, and then two years in, they cut our baseball program at oh, the wow. university of South Dakota title nine. Um, we had actually that year that gotten off to like a school record start. I think we were like 22 and nine or something like that, which uh, we played in North central conference, which was a, like a big division two like conference at the time, South Dakota state, Mankato state, St. Cloud state, like some pretty good division two schools. And they cut us. And I think we finished like 24 and 26. Like we just plummeted. Um, it was a, I was getting a degree in physical education and wanted to continue to play. So I transferred to Wayne State College in Nebraska, which actually was a better baseball school. Like they're nationally ranked. Uh, We're coming off like a really good season where they were one game away from going to the World Series. Probably had no business being there and like kind of forced my way in. It was fun. My coach was just out here uh, watching games with his family. And so it's cool to catch up with him and think about like his first impression of me to now, like Mm -hmm. now he's, he was making fun of me for like having a conversation with Eric Carlos and the, and the dugout. He's like, are you serious? I was like, well, well, you know, I guess this is what, what happens now. Um, but went there and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, first of all, it was a teacher school. And they told me that if I want to be a physical edu- education teacher, it's going to take four more years to go to school. I was like, no chance I'm doing that. So I changed my major to exercise science and about like, three, four months in, I was like, what am I going to do with this? Like, I don't want to be a personal trainer 24 hour fitness, like no offense, but like, mm-hmm. that's definitely not what I signed up to go to college for. And I was like, I got to find a way into the game and didn't really even understand like strength, like strength coaches at every level and like where that was at. Cause it was still kind of in the infant stages. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of interns, uh, in professional baseball. So get through my first year, get through my, what would be my senior year and have a semester left and I apply for 29 internships across baseball. I get one phone call back, Chris Dunaway, who was the Pirates minor league strength conditioning coordinator, unpaid internship, 16 weeks, show up on January 15th. The first day I was there, they were tearing down old Pirate City. Like I was like throwing bricks through windows with them, like looking like (laughs) asbestos from this old facility, living in a days in, in Bradenton, Florida. Um, because the dorms are, I'm literally like helping them demolish them and did my like 16 weeks and just absolutely loved it. And, and so like the best thing that happened though, uh, was I could throw BP and I could catch bullpens 
and we had an older gentleman named Woody Hike, who was like one of the more influential people early on in my career, like just honest, really honest, taught me a lot about the game and like how it was kind of transforming even back in, this is in 2007. And uh, he couldn't throw three groups of BP anymore. And so they like, can you throw BP? I was like, well, I guess we'll find out. Mm -hmm. And so I did it well enough that they um, let me throw it quite, like quite frequently and then could catch bullpens and flat grounds and play long toss with like pitchers that would come down for rehab and things like that. I remember Solomon Torres. I don't know if you guys probably remember Solomon Torres for the Giants, mm-hmm. closer for a while. He's like, like foul pole to foul pole. And like in my, in my heyday, like I could like four hop it. <laughs> like I could get it there, but it wasn't good. And he's like standing in place, like in the air, getting it to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really cool experience. And so I literally like packed my bags, cleaned out my hotel and was heading back to Omaha and had was going to interview for a job at 24 hour fitness. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Baseball's over. This was fun. I guess I'll have it on my resume. And the farm director's like, Hey, our hitting coach is leaving to go be the manager of the Orioles GCL team. Like, do you want to be our hitting coach? Not our hitting coach, but like take place of like our hitting coach to throw BP and flip to guys every day. And then you can be the GCL strength coach. I was like, uh, do you want me to be? And he's like, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't want you. I was like, all right, all right, I'll take it, I'll take it. Like, I didn't even know how much I was going to get paid. It was just more than, yeah, like more than I was making as an intern. So did that for uh, the rest of the summer, uh, September one, like uh, uh, Labor Day, went home, um, and we really didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Dave Littlefield had been fired at the end of the year. Neil Huntington came on to be the GM. Brian Graham, the guy who hired me, got fired, and. Uh, Kyle Stark came out as a farm director and they ended up making us all full time. And I got promoted to double A that year uh, and did two years in double A Altoona with the pirates in eight and nine. And this awesome, like awesome experience and uh, got to travel on a bus and do that gig. And like, which is for all the like crap that people give it like pretty dang cool. Like mm-hmm. we live, I lived in Altoona PA and we went anywhere from, um, Akron, Ohio, all the way to Portland, Maine. And so like we got to see quite a bit of the country, mm-hmm. not big cities, but like some cool, like Trenton was a cool place to go to. Um, the New Jersey State pins there, I wouldn't say that, like that was the cool part, but like just like seeing some really cool, like Portland, Maine eating a lobster roll, mm-hmm. um, you know, New Hampshire, um, trying to think of some, like Reading, PA was even cool. It was like where Taylor Swift was from. I just remember that like, she was blowing up at the time. We were like, oh man, maybe we'll run into Taylor Swift. That claim to fame. Yeah, yeah. And um, so then uh, I'll be honest, like after the 09 season, I remember Daniel Moscos, who's our first rounder in 07, who now is like a Yankees pitching coach, was working for Driveline for a while, um, like asking me questions about the weight room. And I was just getting manhandled by players like – talking about like kettlebell stuff and talking about uh, like explosive training and speed training and all this stuff that I was like, whoa, like, hey, this is our card. This is our program. Like, this is really good. And, and it was, but like understanding where the game was and like how it was filled with interns, like you're a minor league coordinator, you got to like, you got to put a program together that everybody can follow and kind of do it. I knew there was this whole world out there that I was missing out on and I didn't want to be left in the, like left behind and so I left the Pirates, went back, got my master's degree in human movement, uh, and then worked for Exos. 
while you were with the pirates, were you studying much and going into courses and certifications and stuff? So they did an unbelievable job of continuing ed over there. Like we would spend a lot of time in the off seasons going over stuff. So we like, I remember going to a PRI course. I remember going to um, Edith Hoyce, who was based out of San Diego, was like doing a lot of BOSU ball training. She was training Steve Finley at the same time. Um, and it's so funny, like, like we just hung out with Franz Bosch a couple of weeks ago, and like Edith was talking about like hip locks and things on that, like a BOSU ball that Franz talks about. She was just looking at it from a different lens. Hmm. Um, and then like arch training with your foot, like we did a lot of barefoot training with her, like people, whatever, BOSU balls or whatever, and the research shows that they don't do anything, and everybody blows up on the internet when you do something. But this lady was like, I remember going with like immense back pain. I was running half marathons at the time, and I went in with like immense back pain, and I left the course, and I was like, okay, I'm back. <laughs> like She like got my hips back without ever putting her hands on me. She was a chiropractor and had that kind of background. Um, but we also hung, hung out with a guy named Phil Donnelly at the time, uh, who was like a shoulder... Uh, like a shoulder expert who had, who had done some consulting with like the Phillies and the Pirates and like first time that anybody was really talking about upper rotation of the scap that I can remember mm -hmm. and how important that was and like how we would try to put that in in our warm-ups we try to put that in, in our strength programs we try to put it in our shoulder programs and like stuff that right now you've like dub ran and like obviously it's important but nobody was talking about this stuff then. and I always felt like Brad Henderson who was the head trainer for the Pirates Frank Velasquez who was the head strength coach at the major league level Chris Dunaway and Carl Randolph who's a minor league coordinator like were way ahead of their time and for all of the groups out there that like don't play nice with their athletic trainers or their PTs as strength coaches like we ne I never had any issues like and then you look at the staff that we had Erwin Valencia who is the director of uh, like medical services for the Knicks. He's an athletic trainer and a PT. He was on that staff. Mubarak Malik, who's the director of performance for the Knicks, was on that staff. Um, Chris Dunaway, who ended up coming over here to be my minor league coordinator and then eventually my assistant strength coach for a few years, was on that staff. And then uh, we have a guy named Dale Williams who works in the, he's a strength coach in the special forces right now. Like we had some absolute like badasses mm -hmm. as, as people around. And, and so to look, Bill Burgos, who's the head strength coach for the Timberwolves, is, was on that staff. And so he was formerly with the Knicks, he was formerly with the Magic, and then just got on with the T-Wolves this year. Like, we had some really, really like, up-and-coming dudes. Yeah. And uh, we are like the 94 Expos. <laughs> like everybody went on to really good careers with somebody else, it felt like. Mm. Um, but at the, at the end, man, like, I was the dumbest guy in the room, and just I was looking for a way to get into baseball. Mm -hmm. And I used strength and conditioning as that avenue. And then I got in. I was like, holy shit, like, I really like this. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I like, and I think it has impact. Yeah. Um, well, and just to go back a little bit, it's like, you didn't go, just go in and you're like, I'm a strength coach. I'm just going to stay in the weight room. Right. It's like, you were throwing BP, you're, you were doing all this stuff. And if you wouldn't have done that, like, you wouldn't probably have got the full-time job, right? I think right. a lot of people come out of college and go into their career and it's just like they expect to maybe be handed a position or whatever the case may be. But it's like you got to go in and be expendable. And that's how you set yourself up for a long-term career, I feel like. And I think we talked about this a little bit uh, at the symposium this offseason. It's like, number one, like, we're there. I, I'm here. I have a job because of the players. I have a job because of the game. Like, I need to fit my little bubble and ultimately you need to burst your bubble and like let it ooze into other places. But like I gotta get my bubble to fit into the larger scheme, which is like how, how can we win more baseball games? Mm -hmm. And then 
you know, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they go to school, they get degrees, they get masters, they get PhDs, they get bachelor's degrees, whatever it is, they get all these certifications, they go to PRI and FMS and SFMA and DNS and, and every like three letter acronym, which is all awesome. All this stuff is awesome. And I, and I love it and I take it and I, and I try to apply as much of it as I can, but I guess I've always looked at it like, how can I make that guy swing better? Not how can I make him stronger and hope that he can swing. Like how can I get that guy to rotate better? Mm-hmm. And whatever three-letter word you have to use to like get that across. And a lot of this is like knowing the stuff because the player is going to walk in and be educated. You guys work with high-level guys. They're like, why aren't we doing? You know, why, how come my left AIC pattern isn't getting any better? And you're like, I don't know what that is. Going back to the point of like Daniel Moskos, like looking an idiot. Mm-hmm. I want the guys to trust me. And so I, I really took the mentality a long time ago. Like I'm a concierge service. I'm a facilitator for these guys to help them get better at baseball. And then it's bled into, it's bled into other arenas and into, into other areas. Uh, and so I left and when I went to Exos, which at the time was athletes performance, mm-hmm. worked in the military. My wife and I had been married for two months and I was like, Hey, uh, how do you feel about moving to Baltimore? So we moved to Baltimore, um, ended up being like perfect. Like we were newlyweds, we got away from our hometown, we got away from our families. Like we had a year to like grow together and, and just like, just us kind of figuring out, us and our poor dog. And I worked, uh, I worked with uh, some groups in the Department of Defense out there on a base. And also Athletes Performance just provided us with a whole year of continuing ed, like went through all the mentorships we had TRX in our back pocket. We had FMS in our back pocket. We had Omega Wave. Like, I remember Val coming in and, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Omega Wave, but, like, Val's one of the creators of Omega Wave, this, like, old Russian dude coming in just, like, wearing me out for how stupid I was. <laughs> it was the greatest thing, and we're, like, loved it. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I remember probably, like, 15 months into the gig, uh, I was in the mirror, like, doing dry work. And like going through my like pitching delivery and I was like what am I doing like this is not where I want to be um, love the group unbelievable mission still talk to the guys to this day but like there's somebody in the world that wanted that job way more than I did and I wanted I wanted to be back in baseball and so I went through the whole like I'm going to apply for 3,000 jobs again and like don't care what I get was willing to take a huge pay cut to get back in and lo and behold athletes performance at the time was doing a deal with the Dodgers and so when I found that out, I was like, hey, uh, yeah. I'd like to go. Uh, and so Sue Falstoni was, was hired as a head trainer here, who's the vice president of Athletes Performance at the time. She brought me with her. I went to AAA. It was like a big league camp. I, my first year was like really influential in like bringing the AP methodology to the Dodgers that year. And then in September of that year, I got called up to the big leagues and, and have been here ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you, you go through like different periods that like we go from high school to college, like huge transition. You're on your own. Mommy and daddy's not there to like take care of you anymore. Like baseball is about wins and losses and not about high school stuff. And then there's like that transition when you get out of college and you go to your job, your profession, whatever that is. And like, it was just another thing of like, oh, I'm a couple thousand miles away, not a couple hundred miles away from everything that I know. And like, I kind of got to figure this out on my own. And I got to, I got to get up and work. Like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. That's for sure. But if I get up and show up and like, give a shit, like this might work out. And so I just took that attitude 
all the way through and then going from AAA to the big leagues was again just this like huge jump of like this is literally about seven o'clock every night like there is nothing else in the world that matters than than getting them you know getting the final out and being on the right side of the score uh and so it was a wake-up call in 2013 2012 2013 uh of just like having a player development mindset and kind of throw that out the window at some point because we're, we got to win now um, and have just been fortunate to to be here and be exposed to a lot of different things and work with a lot of different people a lot of great players um, and and yeah like and now we're we're in a place like uh, Brian Stoneberg, the minor league coordinator, Travis Smith, the major league strength coach. We've been together nine years. Like, uh-huh. It's really cool. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the part that I probably am the most grateful for. And, like, continuity is a huge thing, I think, to success. Uh, as we talk about, like, great coaches and great programs and, and people that do things really well, like, continuity is a part of it. Not just staying together for the sake of staying together, but, but you know, like, we push each other. Uh-huh. And, and that's, that's been the most fun. Yeah, kind of talking about leadership a little bit. I mean, really in industry, any industry, you don't see people staying as a core group for that long. I mean, that's a pretty rare thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, is that something, like, have you put a lot of time into your leadership skills and studying that thing and communication, or did it somewhat come natural to you? Um, so, yes. I mean, the simple answer is yes. Um, I, I put a lot of time into my lack of leadership skills and, like, to get to somewhere where like, again, like, I don't know if it's natural. I doubt it is, but I just want to see other people succeed. Mm -hmm. And, and so that part I think is really important up front. Um, I coached like high school or not high school, like uh, little kids basketball. I was like 16. I coached high school baseball when I was 19, 20, 21, 22. And so like four years of high school, like umpired, like high school games, um, during that time. And then in the off seasons, when I would come home from working with Pittsburgh and even, even LA the first couple of years, like I gave lessons. And so, and I always tell people this, like, if you can deal with parents in yeah. today's society, like, <laughs> come on, you can come work yeah. for me. These guys are easy compared to, to what we deal with, with parents mm-hmm. these days. And so I had to, I had to grow up at a young age and I ran my own staffs. So like I had my own coaching staffs and things like that at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to be as like what I thought was like professional, as influential, and as like communicative as as possible. And I probably sucked really bad at it, but at the end of the day, like I was just trying. Um, and so that was probably the first part of it. And the, and the second part of it is I really like I get pissed when we don't have open and honest conversation. Like I want feedback. I want you to tell me I suck. I want you to tell me that that you don't like the way that I talk to you or that I, some people tell me I'm like, you scare me a little bit or whatever. Like, no, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Like, I'm not, I'm sorry if I scare you. That's the last thing I want to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you the truth in kind of a non-emotional way. And that freaks people out. Um, and it's like, that's been the growing part. Like obviously read a lot of books, Uh um, obviously been to a lot of courses, even leadership courses, even like landmark courses where they completely just, they strip everything back. Uh, that's happened in your childhood and try to figure out why, why you're so effed up. Um, but at the end of the day, to me, it's come down to about caring more about the guy next to me than, than me, because if my success is only temporary and it's a means to an end, like you make, you get a, a raise, 
that lasts for about six weeks. I need more money. Uh-huh. You get a promotion. <laughs> oh man, this finally got the job. I'm all, wait, what? He got promoted. Like, like you start to like, you go through this cycle. Like at the end of the day, like being financially comfortable and stable is extremely important. I have three young kids. I have a wife. Like I want her to be at home with the kids. Like I don't want them to have to worry. I'm, I travel 200 days out of the year. Like, I don't want them. I want to be in a safe neighborhood in a safe house and not have to worry about things. Like that's really important to me. But at some point, like, I'm not going to cut my nose off to spite my face just to make more money. And if I had my way, like personally, like it's just not the way the world operates. Like I had my way, I would just be like Los Angeles Dodger. That would be my title. <laughs> like it would just be easier that way. Cause it, and I, cause I've been promoted and I've had those titles and like, it doesn't go over well sometimes. And like, like, really? Like, okay, well, I don't really care that much. So just call me whatever you want. Like, uh-huh. it's like, uh, Ricky Bobby when he meets his dad and he's like, what are you going to call me? And <laughs> Professor Dickweed, like, hey, you call me <laughs> Professor Dickweed. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's not like the title's not the respect part. The job you do, the way you treat people, like that's what we're going to be defined by. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and then the other cool thing that we've done that I'm really proud of, uh, and I don't know how much we opened up about this at the symposium, but every every morning at 5 a.m. we in spring training, it's the only time we're together. So I have 13 staff members, countless like PD people that are around, our mental skills coaches, and then like whoever whoever wants to come hang out, we we work out at 5 a.m. Noah, you guys mm-hmm. met Noah, big swole, yeah. giant yeah. strength coach, looks like John Cena. He writes our workouts. Like, we're not in there to get fit. We're in there to get jacked. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, which means I usually leave and, like, in, I'm in pain. Yeah. Or I leave spring training and I've gained 20 pounds. Like, why did you gain so much weight? I was like, we were lifting heavy. I just, I was an offensive lineman. Like, I can eat. Yeah. Sleeves are fitting a little tighter. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and so we get after, but we spend the first 15 minutes um, doing, like, professional development. Mm. And so Trav's helped a ton with that, but we, we really, um, we push the importance of identity because at the end, like, and you guys know this, like you want to have impact. Mm-hmm. Like that is your identity is like in your job anyway, is what am I doing that's impactful to the group that I work with, to the people I work for, and ultimately like whatever it is you believe in, like whoever the higher power or whoever you're trying to live up to, like. You want to feel like you have impact. And when you don't have that and you don't feel like you have an identity within the group and and and, and that what you're doing is actually helping the greater cause, people suffer. I don't care how much money. I've seen people make a lot of money that suffer because they don't feel like they're helping anybody. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of power that feel like they're boxed in and they want to leave. And it's like, why would you ever leave this job, this cush job with all this money and all this power? Like They don't really have it because they don't have it inside. Mm-hmm. And so, and young strength coaches go to school to be strength coaches. Young athletic trainers go to school to be athletic trainers. Not to say that along the way it's on a windy road and you don't figure out that you want to do something else. Like physical therapists go to school for a long time to be DBTs, to be DBTs, like not to, you know, not to DPTs. Everybody on here is like, what's a DBT? (laughs) It's just me. I can't talk. Um, And so I want our coaches to know that I want our strength coaches to know that like, this is what we're here to do. And, and ultimately it's to get baseball players better. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use, we're going to use our platform to help that greater good. And, and it's amazing. Now, uh, we've had for, you know, people have left and got better jobs or, or reached kind of their, their goals or whatever. And like, they still want to come back and talk about those times that we spent at 5 a.m. Not, not the baseball side, not mm-hmm. the programming side, not mm-hmm. that stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, 
And it's, I think our first experience, my first experience with you and your staff was at your guys' symposium in this off season. And I was just so impressed by a lot of things in that conference. Thank you. But one of the things I was extremely impressed with, with was the way that your staff did communicate. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like there were such open lines of communication. It seemed like there were no egos on the staff. But it also seemed like you guys really allow and encourage your coaches to take ownership over their own positions and their own growth. And I didn't even know about that 5 a.m. lift, but that's so... Um, representative of your guys's culture where it's like, no, we're going to take the time to come in, yeah. study, be together, work out, lift together, train together. Um, so I don't, it's, I don't even really have a question off of that, but I was just so <laughs> impressed with that, like the, the culture that you've built within your staff. No, thank you. And and the other part too is like Stoney, uh, Stoney's big on like Stoney's my mad scientist. Mm-hmm. And so he's like the guy doing the programming and like I run stuff by him all the time like we got a question with a guy that can't like get a firm front side and we don't know if it's a hip mobility problem we don't know if it's like a like a tissue extensibility problem with his hamstring or whatever it might be like sony yeah come here, take a look mm. like i know it's wrong <laughs> just tell me how to fix it yeah and because he's kind of he's a troubleshooter so he spends a lot of time with our guys and he's very like he has high standards mm-hmm. i always remind him i was like you can't get mad like you're way smarter than everybody else. So when you get mad, like it's cause you were born with it. And, <laughs> and so he's been awesome and drives our guys at night on like on, you know, after the day, which it would be like right now yeah. on a weekday, like he's, he's cranking away with 10 strength coaches trying to, to teach them how to understand how to screen better or how to do joint mobs better, whatever it might be. Um, so that gives them the technical side and I, Trav has really driven the tactical side with our guys, and that's the that's the five a.m. lift, and that's the that's what you saw mm-hmm. at the symposium. And like, keep in mind, Carl had been with us for one year. Um, Noah had been with us for three years. Gage has been with us for five years, and mostly everybody else was new. Yeah, and so like, there was two guys there that that was their indoctrination to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that, so they were there learning just as much as everybody else was. And what a be, like, what a great way to, like, yeah. it was not by design. Like <laughs> it, it just so happened they like their background checks came back that week. And I was like, <laughs> we're going to save ourselves a lot of time in spring training yeah. talking. Like get, <laughs> get them out here. It's worth yeah. the price of the flight yeah. in the hotel. But now they see that. And like, and I told you guys this there too. I told the whole crowd, like it was a little bit of a celebration for us. Mm-hmm. Like get our people out there and get our name out there and, and show them what we can do. And so that um, they get to see that and like they felt like they could be a part of it. And now next year when we go into it, like we're going to do a little bit earlier next year. We're going to do it in November. We're going to tie like an on-base thing into it, I think, as well. That's awesome. Um, and so they uh, – and we ended up talking about it so much and gave Sean the floor. I was like, yeah. why don't we just do this together? Yeah. So we're kind of working through that right now to figure it out, but – our guys are going to be even more like I kind of would like to, you know, kind of tip my cap and like welcome, welcome to the shindig, but let my guys talk because they're way yeah. smarter than I am and, and they get some great experience. As you've built your team, um, do you have a process to like identifying talent and hiring or do you go mostly based off intuition? No, we have, so we have a pretty thorough like process of interviewing and and so it used to be stony myself and, and chris dunaway they're like a three man and like i call it the one five ten mm-hmm. and like sony was awesome at the one year of like is this guy gonna be able to grasp what we're doing 
and be able to implement it. Cause like our guys take on nutrition, they take on the sports science, they take on the workload management. They got to take on like the, the buffer between the weight room and the field. Like they're not just back squat, bench press and deadlift. Like they're doing a lot of those other things. Um, and so he, he would do a really good job of saying like, all right, I feel really good about this guy technically. And Chris was really good at, and probably taught us all the tactical side of it of like, all right, this guy's going to be good for the culture. And then I would take like the 10 year view of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because you can kind of tease out quite a bit. Like, Uh are you in this to get the, your resume or like, are you in, like, you want to be a director one day? That's awesome. You want to take my job one day? That's awesome. Come on. Like, let's go. Like, I want hungry people. I want people to want my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, uh, that was kind of the way it played out. As I've moved on and started to do other things in the organization, the process still exists. There's just a few more people involved in it and a few different people, but we really hammer that home. Nothing is better than references. Like very few reference, like if you listen to the reference, they will tell you everything that you need to know. Mm-hmm. The tone and how they slip things in there is sometimes indicative of like, they don't want to rat somebody out. Yeah. Um, but references are huge, huge for me. and. We, we take, uh, I always consider myself like the refugee program too, like Kevin Barr, who was the strength coach with Tampa for years, who was the head strength coach for the Royals for a while. Kevin came over here um, after he left the Rays for a year and worked for us. Like, come on, dude, come over and teach us. Teach us what you know. You have a lot of experience in this game. And so he was huge to be around our young guys. Carl from the Giants, like, he called and was like, hey, I would love to work for you. I was like, listen. I don't hire our minor league staff anymore. Like I want Stoney and those guys to feel like they have the autonomy to do that. I'll break a tie. I'll call them if I, if I think they're crazy and like, hold on, what, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I was like, listen, I like you and I'm biased towards you. So like, I'm gonna throw you over to them. And they did, uh, they went through the process and all three of them came back like, this guy's freaking amazing. And like, we need to hire him, like, hire him. Like, we'll figure out, we'll figure out how to get him. Like Carl, it doesn't look like a, doesn't look like your normal Latin American uh, strength coordinator, but he's absolutely, absolutely dominated it. Um, I don't know how much Spanish he even spoke when he like <laughs> went, like, but buddy, like he loves on that group down there, like our group of strength coaches that barely speak English and, and the players that obviously barely speak English, like Carl goes down there and they love him. They, he dominates it. And so that part's been really cool. And we also have the stories of like young Eric Gavarone, who was recommended by Cressy and Rain phone and and yeah he did awesome at this oh he's like the sexiest man alive when he's on stage i'm like are you kidding me like i joke with him all the time i was like you can talk like you're gonna be yeah he's gonna be something extremely special yeah and uh it just he can back it up with like some real content Mm -hmm. but on stage i was like come on are you kidding me like this is your first time give me a break like you were in like drama or something that was his first time presenting and for real, yeah, like wow. yeah, something like that. Job. Oh, he nailed it. Uh, but he, and I tell people, he's like my incubator baby. Like mm. we had an opportunity to put him in like a ball his first year. And I was like, nope. <laughs> like if this guy's a stud, the best thing you can do is spend your first year in the rehab center. Mm-hmm. You get to see all walks of life. There. Mm-hmm. You get big leaguers, you get minor leaguers, you get hurt big leaguers, hurt minor leaguers. Um, you get to go through the whole rehab process. You get to see... Latin American kids come up for the first time. You get to see young college kids for the first time. You get to see young high school kids for the first time. Like you get to see all walks of life. Yeah. 
So we did that. He was an intern, AZL position full time. And then we sent him to like Rancho for a year. And now he's scouting for us and he's going to be in the big leagues this year too. So, awesome. yeah. And so that like, you can take it the, and to be quite honest, like taking like the Carl on taking the guy who has, he has his own thoughts and his opinions. He did this. He had my job. Mm-hmm. Like it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, but he has backed up everything that he said and has done an outstanding, an outstanding job of trying to fit into what we're trying to do and realizing that like his situation that he had before was independent of ours. And so we just mm-hmm. always tell people like we all have homes, like you guys have homes where you're from, like, and people have homes in Arizona, but they build homes here in Arizona different than they do in LA. Like they get an earthquake proof my house. It's like, we all have houses, but just realize that in every city, they're going to deal them a little bit. They're going to build them a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So to, to kind of jump back a little bit, I love when you touched on, um, allowing coaches or kind of encouraging coaches to find their own identity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I not necessarily struggled with, but I've focused on lately where it's like a lot of people come into the strength and conditioning realm and they're excited about everything to do with strength and conditioning, but then you almost need to find a mission stronger than that or a, a bigger picture. Right. So where would you encourage someone to start in finding almost like that, that life mission statement, the kind of impact that they do want to make, uh, both in and outside of strength and conditioning. Yeah, I think like strength and conditioning, fitness, personal trainers, whatever it might be, is like it's not the principle; it's the method of how to express love and gratitude, and like um, also how to like. I, I guess I view it as like this is a gift I was given by God, and I need to share it with people, mm-hmm. and. And so that's that's the way I look at it, and, and everybody's going to have, again, I said, or like whatever you believe in or whatever it is, like whoever you kind of report to in your head, like I know where mine is. And so like mm-hmm. I feel like I have some things to offer the world in this. And, and so I treat – I was working with two of our reporters today that work for our sports channel, like talking to them about their fitness the same way I was with – one of our players at, at 7 a.m. too. Like, I just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the mission, I, I think, in that standpoint is, are you here to teach people? Are you here to do the job or are you here to have a career? Mm-hmm. And and for me, it was to get in, it was about making baseball players better. So everything I did correlated back to that. Mm-hmm. Everything, every, every technique I learned, like, that helps the swing. That helps the throw. That helps them run the bases better. That helps them play defense better. That helps. The, this is the infielder whose knees keep hurting. Like, how can I make his knees? Like, so that was my, that was kind of my mission. I think the longer, um, the longer I've done this, and the more guys that uh, have come out of school that I've worked with or, or trained or like managed, like, they've been given a black box, and they think inside of that black box is the answer. And the answer is not in there. And so, like, they think, like, okay, well, in college, they told us to, you know, um, back squatting, we need to go high bar and whatever, like some just personal bias to it. And and so I've always tried to err on the side of what type of techniques or niches niches or things like that that you would want to be in and more like what's the reason why you're like, why are you trying to help people or why are you trying to do this? And then that gets you somewhere. Then after that, you can't be everything to everybody. 
Like I've been that guy that's like, I'm going to take care of your nutrition. I'm going to take care of your strength. I'm going to take care of your speed work. I'm going to take care of your conditioning, your recovery, like blah, 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 all the way around. It doesn't work that way. And so like, I think that, and what we've, what we've done here and what we've trying to do is just like give some people some lanes to drive in and like it's a four lane highway and you can they're dotted lines like it's not two two white lines like you can cross over if you want to but like just know for the most part i need you to drive in this lane and if you really like the other lane that you pass somebody in like let's talk about it and let's try to get you exposed to it more and learn about it because there's a difference between like i need my guys that are strength coaches to go be strength coaches mm-hmm. i need my guys that understand like pelvic rotation and understand like the like dynamic parts of the swing and the throw to go do that. I need my guys that are really good at conditioning and really good at whatever type of heart rate training or HRV or whatever it might be. Like, go dominate that. Understanding everybody else's kind of world is really important too. But I also am like, if you're great at it, go dominate it. If you really have a passion for it, go dominate it. Because mm-hmm. um, you end up finding out that like that stuff kind of fizzles out too mm-hmm. like the things i've been super passionate about they come and go because they don't work for everybody mm-hmm. but like caring about people trying to I used to work work at lifetime fitness uh, in the off seasons like training the 70 year old woman who just like wants to get up the stairs easier or like pick up her grandkids was like all right let's figure it out yeah like that was really cool and when they come back I'll be honest, like I felt better when that, when those ladies would come back, like, oh, I, my back doesn't hurt anymore. My feet don't hurt anymore. I can get up off the couch without my husband having to like pull me up. Like, dang, like that's real. Mm-hmm. Like that part's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know I just took you on like a tangent roundabout and probably didn't even mm-hmm. answer your question, but like that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And I think when you're looking for people, like those are the answers I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to have my opinions. But at the end of the day, like, I'm here to win. Mm-hmm. I'm here. We're, we're here to win. So like, and and here to win for a long time. So let's make let's make as many of these guys as we can to keep coming up and helping us win. And I'll do whatever it takes. And if one year I got to be the guy that makes protein shakes, I'm in. And the next year I got to be the guy that teach, teaches them how to cut, cross over, and accelerate better. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so with your career experience, you've been you've had the like incredible opportunity to work with elite performers mm-hmm. at the high level, but also in completely different avenues, yeah. right? Working with people in the Department of Defense and mm-hmm. working in the college realm when you did work in the college realm or when you experienced that and then in your career now. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen that separates the outliers yeah. from, you know, the average, it, whether it's habits or, um, you know, characteristics? What, what are the, some, some of the things that you've seen? The... Um there's an incredible work ethic in every one of them. And I think when people hear work ethic, they think they're, that they work more. And some of the guys do. Um, I always have felt that like guys work until they get it right. Like some of the best guys I've been around are like minimalists, mm-hmm. but they don't leave until it's right. Um, some of the guys that I'm around, like they have the neurology that, and the psychology that like, okay, I need to do 1,000 of these mm-hmm. or I'm not like being around um i consult for kobe's place for mamba and like have got to know like his story and obviously like 
the impact that his uh, untimely like departure had on everybody has just been crazy. Be like hearing stories about him, hearing firsthand accounts of like his work ethic. Like, that's that's another way to go about it too. Like you, it just seemed like that he would get so obsessed and focused on things that it was uh it was crazy and so like that's that's one way to go about it and even the guys that I worked with in the military like they made sure it was right and they didn't go home until it was right but it didn't mean that they killed themselves in the weight room the guys that the baseball players that have been around like it didn't it didn't mean that they took the most swings or made the most throws um so that work ethic part is really good i think consistency Guys that are really consistent know when something's not right. It's mm-hmm. not so much that they're consistent or that they're like have to stick to a routine. Like some of it's like OCD and sickness, the reason why they like baseball's so superstitious too. But I'm telling you, the guys that they go through, they they have these checkpoints because they go through the routine so much and like, oh man, my back doesn't feel right. Oh man, my feet don't, you know, like whatever. I slept funny last night. Cause when I usually do this, it doesn't feel like that. So like consistency, um, is a really like huge thing and then and then i'm just spitballing these but like the third thing for me is the standard that they have for themselves is higher than everybody else like being good enough is what you will be if that's what your goal is i will be like i i look back like i wanted to play college baseball that was my goal i've reached my goal i should have had a much higher goal i should have had a much higher standard for myself in that regard and so like when i got into my profession like my goal was not to be a major league strength coach my goal was not to be a director my goal is to change the game like let's change the way that we're doing this not because it's bad but because everything can always be better if it means that we take away things that we've added if it means we add new things if it means we break down walls and barriers like that has always been my mission Mm -hmm. is like and you need to have those positions sometimes to have the platform to do that. So it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. You can't, I can't be an A ball strength coach and change the Dodgers because I don't have the influence. But in my role now, it's not about, it's not about being in that role anymore. It's about changing the way we do this. Mm-hmm. And was that, was that your mission from the time you stepped in with the Dodgers or did that evolve over time? So when I stepped in with the Dodgers, we were, we were implementing Exos like AP's model. Um, and that the whole thing was like, we're going to change. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, so it was like kind of build in. Boy, did we change it. We were broke that year. Like we got hurt a lot. And uh, not, and I don't think it's like because of athletes performance program. Like that's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. But when you fail, you learn. You got like, to take a look. And if you don't take a look, like you're not getting out of it. Like then again, like you you met your goal and that's all it was. Like you'll be happy with it. Like there was four years there where there's just an absolute pit in my stomach. Like, every hamstring injury, every underperformer, every guy that like we signed that didn't perform or whatever. Like and we've won a lot of games, but um, yeah, there was a there's a pit and still with those things and like that's how I know that I'm passionate about what I do is I wake up in the morning and it's like something's not right. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about how to get it right. Different lens now of like, I don't have to be the guy that does it. I'm definitely going to be the guy that starts a conversation with whoever's going to be the person that ultimately can do it. Uh Like Mm -hmm. how can I empower somebody to help solve a problem? Mm -hmm. You just kind of talked about failure. (laughs) Um, 
What would you say has been like the most successful failure of your career? Meaning that like if that failure wouldn't have happened, like you would might not have got to the point that you are now. Mm. Man, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> um, you know, the, the biggest, I really wanted to be the minor league coordinator for the Pirates. Like really wanted to be that guy. And it's the first time that you find out that like life's not linear mm -hmm. and that just because you're the next man standing or because you quote unquote earned it or like paid your dues. Like I really wanted that and, and really didn't even get like afforded the opportunity to even try to get it. And it was a, a long, like I was getting married and was at a crossroads. Like need more, I need more education. I'm not good enough for this job. Um, the player, like the players are looking at me funny and I need to, I need to finish, like I need to go to finishing school right now. And it drove me in, an, in a revenge type of way for a long, long time. I'm going to fucking show these people whatever a strength coach can show yeah. somebody, <laughs> I'm going to show you, I'm going to get jacked and get ripped <laughs> not going to help any baseball player like no but like um it, it drove me in the wrong way but at the same time like what i've learned is like sometimes those things are a nice jumping off point and give you the motivation but you if if that was what still drove me was to prove people wrong that's mm -hmm. eh, not a healthy way to live life yeah. like, yeah. like i'm more uh i'm more apt to like want to prove people right now mm -hmm. and and so uh in a positive light but that failure um, it really taught me that like, and I, and it's a conversation that I have with my staff members. It's a conversation I have with my players now too. It's just like, guys, like sometimes shit happens. Sometimes it's not going to work out the way that you think it's supposed to work out, but boy, am I glad it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like no offense to anybody <laughs> that I worked with before or the organization or anything like that would have been great. I'll take seven division championships and go to two World Series, and mm -hmm. one of them we're not going to talk about. The uh, um, I will take that, and so that's been like a really, really like healthy failure. Yeah, that that just opened my it made me grow up. Like, mm -hmm. stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah, and I don't mean to be like I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker or even be a jerk here, but like that that to me is a root of a lot of things. Like we're entitled. Like we think we're, we think we're, well, I did this and I went to school and I worked and I did the internship and I, you told me to show up on time every day and I showed up on time every day. And you showed, you told me that if I stacked the books correctly every day and I wiped down the mats and whatever, like, and now I'm not getting promoted. Like, what was I doing all that stuff for? Like, mm -hmm. wait, you were doing all that stuff to get it. Like, I thought you were doing all that stuff because you want to help people, hmm. not because you wanted to get the next job. Yeah. And like, that's, that, that to me is one of the things that we try to tease out yeah like it's gonna if it's meant to happen and you're doing it the right way it's going to happen like i do believe that you can will your way to those things mm -hmm. but if you're if you're a fraud and you're lying to yourself and you're ultimately like lying to the people that you're working with that stuff gets exposed you get exposed you can't lie to yourself too long mm -hmm. so one thing to kind of jump back a little bit talking about your first season with the Dodgers mm -hmm. and you talked about how that failure at the end of it's like, okay, how can we change? Yeah. How can we make it better? Yeah. And I think 
even it kind of highlights it too in that pirates experience where I think like you talked about having the picture of, I want to change the game. I want to be the best in the business. I want to make baseball better because of what I did. Mm -hmm. Your clearer vision of that long-term vision allowed you to take those situations and not necessarily let them beat you up. But it's like, because you had such a clear vision, the ability to pivot was easy Yep. because you knew, okay, maybe it's the, the I wasn't married to the idea of like my tactics afterwards. Exactly. You were married to the bigger picture. Yep. And that's, and listen, and I don't know if the tactics are the reason why we were unhealthy a couple mm-hmm. of those years. I don't know if the tactics are the reason why we haven't gotten over the hump. But I'm going to assume that they're a part of it because mm-hmm. I'm a part of it. And and our our tactics are implemented. So, like, yeah. if we don't win, we don't reach our goal, like, everybody needs to look at themselves in the mirror and say, how are we going to get better for next year? Yeah. Take responsibility. Yeah. And, and so like to what, like there are different, there are different degrees of that. Like when our best players aren't on, like when our best pitchers not on the field, like I take it personal. Yeah. I take it personal because I know how much that guy works. Mm-hmm. I know how much that guy cares about what he's doing and I see it day in and day out. And so like, I feel like I failed him by not, giving him the platform to do that on. And so like, that's the type of stuff that I take personal and the, you know, the first year, like a lot of hammies and, and a lot of obliques that's preventable stuff. Again, do we need to, do we need to swing more? Do we need to run more? Do we need to throw more? Like that's always my general bias is like what you're doing for a living. Like you might want to do that a lot more than like Nordic hamstring curls and, you know, um, ribcage breathing and 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 filling up our diaphragm like i think those things help with hamstrings and obliques but i don't think you can do that and not the other things and get by i do think a lot of times you can do the first part and not that and 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 get by so like it's meant to supplement and enhance not to be the meat and meat and potatoes of, Mm -hmm. of what we're doing um so yeah it's uh but but to your point like it's and I've as a leader too. Like the one thing I know I've grown the most in is not getting pissed about little stuff. Trav like wears me out. Man, I like this brand. He said it to me last night. Like, I got to be around you any day. Like I like this brand. And oh, Trav, I wasn't that bad, but like, <laughs> but I would let little things like because I was embarrassed. Like I thought that if one of the staff members didn't do something right or if if something happened on the field, like oh man, I'm gonna get blamed for this. And like, and a lot of it is because of the people that I work for don't, they don't do that. They don't react that way. But now I'm just like, when something happens, it's like assess the situation, admit that we need to make a change and make the change, but it doesn't have to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, like the world is so much clearer than like, if I get really mad and yell a lot right now, everybody's going to think I care more. Like, no, they just think you sound like an idiot. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, I, I guess that's a very simple and clear way to handle situations that don't allow your emotions to kind of blur and cloud your vision and your decision making. Yeah. What are, I, I, I'm always really curious about people's just like daily routines and habits. Oh God, this is, there, is bad. Is there anything that you think is like really served you well, like one specific habit or routine that you I, do? I know if I work out in the morning, game on. Like yeah. I'm going to have a good day. Very, like lack of sleep, I can get by. Um, I know that if I get up, and that's the spring training is the best time because I know I can get up every day and work out. Mm-hmm. 
life's just going to be better if I can sweat. And so, and there's just like, I've, I battle like some pretty bad, like hip arthritis have been my microfracture surgery. Like I, it's, it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes it's, there's a lot of work being done on my hands and knees. And then sometimes I can run and like, and I don't know some days away I'm going to wake up, but, but I know that anytime I can get up and do that and get something in preferably like running kettlebell swings and some type of like pressing. And I feel awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've went through periods where I've done like yoga five times a week for six weeks, just cause it's all I could do or Pilates. But I've found that anything fits the bill. And I also know like if I can lay off carbohydrates, like to a pretty like reasonable state, like I, my emotions are also not going to fluctuate too much. Mm-hmm. And so those are my two like kind of staples when things get like, and, and I'm much better than I was when I was like obsessed with not being fat where it's like, fucking 20 grams of carbs or and i'm like 21 i'm like what am i doing yeah i don't care anymore but the uh um so i like live life a little bit more but like finding balance is mm-hmm. is probably the, like to know that if i ate a big meal last night like maybe fasting until 12 or 1 the next day is a good idea or if i'm gonna work out like i box in the off seasons on sundays and it's like an hour where i'm keeling over and want to vomit and like question why i do it every time but when i get done like the rest of my day is like the most productive day of the week. Yeah. Um, and so I just, um, maybe the night before I eat a little bit more, maybe I'm, I'm more apt to have pizza with my kids. Mm. Um, and, and so those two things. And then for me too, is just like <laughs> every, like love my wife. Um, we have a really like great way of communicating with each other in our situation like i'm not home much mm-hmm. um and so like we just were there for each other even though we're not there for each other a lot of the times um but the biggest burden in my life is my three kids and like i'm not there a lot and so like i have to find time every day to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. with them and not live not live their lives through instagram uh, or not be a dad through instagram but like if I, if I can manage those three things, like I'm pretty good at handling anything else. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm, I'm like the Snickers commercial. If I don't work out, like I'm cranky. Yeah. And then the rest of it kind of snowballs the food, the food snowballs. And then the family time snowballs after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, just finding that kind of balance of, of being focused, um, you know, when being in the present, when you're with your family, when you have all this other stuff going on in your career, um, just kind of, you know, being able to separate those two Mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And when I was climbing, like, um, the, the amount of time that I spent at home on the phone, checking my phone, taking phone calls, all that, like, Hey babe, I gotta do this. Like, it's really important. Probably wasn't. Like I probably could have waited till the morning or could have waited at least till she went to sleep. And like, now I find myself like, it's so much easier just to put that. And you have to go a little bit of failure of that. Like I got to get hollered at every once in a while for being a crappy dad and like a crappy husband and like being caring about work too much. Um, so I can't say that it hasn't been unsolicited, but for the most part now, like I can, I can lock in like when my kids are here, I can leave the stadium. Like when, when it's time, when the day is over, like I can leave at a reasonable time and not just stay. And I just don't, I don't think, I don't think because I read it in a textbook 
that like you need to spend more time with your family. Maybe it made me more aware, but like I find myself wanting to spend more time with them the more time I spend with them. Therefore, I find ways to like be more productive at work, be more productive with my time at home because of the precious time I have with them I can hone in. Yeah. Sweet. I just got one more question for you. Sure. Um, so I, you're a shoe guy. Yeah. If you could only have one pair of shoe for the rest of your life, you, yeah. could, you could have a new pair anytime you wanted. Yeah, Jordan 11 Concords. Okay. Black and white. That's an easy answer. Yeah. That's probably everybody else's. Like, <laughs> I think that's Nolan's yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have two pairs right now. One in a box and one, one that I wear when <laughs> I came out two years ago. So is that uh, really close to my grandparents. Sixth grade basketball shoe was the 11s. Um, my grandma bought them for me. Oh, that's awesome. And wore them for like, and again, I like grew like, I went from like five, five to like six foot. And that was in that time. So I had the 12s after that. They were cool, but just wasn't the same. And like, so the 11, like I always, th- when I wear the 11s, I think about my grandma. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, they were, they were awesome. And so then two, it would have been 17 cause we were in Vegas for the, uh, winter meetings. 17 or 18 uh it was 18 um they came out with the like you know december 14th 7 a.m pacific time i can get on there and i was like like got got two you got oh yeah i had like four computers rolling got two pairs um and and now i treasure them and like i have a few other pairs of 11s and i have a lot of pairs of ones and big Jordan guy, like growing up in the Midwest, like it was, he was influential. Um, I wore 20, like my oldest son's middle name is Ryan. I'm Ryan Sandberg. I wore 23 as a kid because of Ryan Sandberg, but like Michael Jordan was like a huge influence Mm -hmm. uh, on me growing up as well. And so, but the shoes are just, it's a lot of like childhood sentimental stuff. Jordan brand, if you're listening and you want to sponsor, (laughs) (laughs) he's your man. (laughs) I think if Jordan, if uh, the Jordan brands listen to this, everybody at the uh, at the table is is doing okay. Yeah. So I'll tell Kinley. How about that? We'll take I got, a sponsorship uh, here. I'll, t- I'll tell Kinley we gave Jordan a shout out, and he'll yeah. be like, "Okay, B Mac." Uh, <laughs> uh, Sweet. Well, appreciate you coming on. We're right at an hour on the dot, so I think we crammed a lot in there. So hope all the listeners, uh, you know, took a lot of notes. If people want to kind of find out more about what you're doing, maybe about the symposium yeah. coming up this year, where, where would they find that? Yeah, let me give you the website for that. Um, we'll have the dates posted here really soon when everything kind of gets locked down. But it is. And, and that being partnered with OnBaseU is going to be incredible. So if yeah. you are anywhere in the United States, get there. The uh, It would be MLB.com backslash Dodgers. Oh, man, I'm not going to be able to see we'll, this. We'll post a link. Yeah, it's, but it's the Sports Science Symposium, the okay. Los Angeles Dodgers Strength Conditioning Symposium, and it's, uh, it's presented by Gatorade this year, so we got, Dang. Yeah, we got, some more, got some more sponsors. So second annual at Dodger Stadium, November of 2020, um, and there's a, there's a link on there that you can sign up so when we get the actual dates, yeah. dates posted. But more of the same uh, as last year, just going to try to take it to another level. The construction will be done at the stadium, so we can actually go outside if the weather's nice. Uh, I think we're going to be upstairs a little bit more in the actual like big room, uh, but just hope to be more interactive and and obviously great turnout. 
uh, last year and would love to have more people, but the intimate settings too, I think is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Like we met some just absolutely amazing people and people that we've already, obviously this, this conversation today has been really cool. Um, but multiple people have reached out and like created relationships with them. We now have people that we know we can trust with our players when Mm -hmm. they train with them. We've learned a ton, even from like the college strength coaches that came in that have invited us down to our places. Like we're picking up so much stuff. So it's been really cool. And like the vision of that is like, let's grow the game, but let's like create this network of people that can, that can get better in baseball. And like, I think we're, I I think we're on the right track. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, we will be there. So if you guys are there, we'll all uh, link up, but, Thanks for listening to this episode of the Strength Foods Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Stay up to date on everything HTA. Follow us now on Instagram at HyperThriveAthletics. Athletics.